With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to another episode of The Mac Rumor Show. We're doing things a little differently today. We do have a guest, and we'll talk about that guest a little bit more later, but we do have some news. Hartley, I'm so grateful that you were able to join me today. Well, thank you. It's not part of your job or anything, but thank you. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, all right, WWDC. That's going to be a topic probably every week because, you know, it's yeah. like it's coming up, and uh, we're, we're hearing more things. It's weird. Like, isn't software release and, like, leaks the weirdest thing? We either hear so much about it or nothing about it. And I feel like yeah. for for a while, over the last few years with WWDC, we get, like, hints about some things, but we don't have any specifics. And so we talked about, you know, iPadOS and iOS 17, specifically iOS 17, having, like, now more notable changes. Uh, and Garmin has come out again, Mark Garmin, our, our bud, uh, watch OS 10 to have notable changes now. So now we're talking watch OS 10, which I don't think about at all. So <laughs> do oh. you have, I, I'm sorry. I love my Apple watch. I do not think about the platform at all. And maybe we should start doing that. So do you have like a, because, you know, Garmin talked about it, but we still don't have any like specifics on what could happen with watch OS 10. Um, do you have any things on your wish list? Like let's do a little mini wish list for watch OS 10? Because there's going to be notable changes. What do you think those notable changes are going to be? Well, my the way I interpreted what uh, Mark Gurman said was he's talking about the UI. He's talking about the basic interaction with the device. And Good. this would be what is on my <laughs> wish list. Good. So I'm quite happy with this rumor. I was excited about this report because... Okay. Um, I think that the Apple Watch's UI is not very good. And the reason why I think it's not very good is because it still takes too long to get to things. Um, this is a device that you don't sit and use it. You don't hold it in your hand. You have to hold your arm up to interact with it. And I find if I want to go uh, and scroll through the list view of apps or even the, uh, I think I don't know if they call it a grid view, but whatever the view is with the little, uh, the little uh, circular apps, um, it yeah, takes ages. I think it's grid view, right? Yeah, and it's really disorganized as well. And trying to reorganize things there Horrible. Um, is yeah, it's a it's a bad experience. <laughs> it looks great visually; it looks fantastic. I guess, um, but it's not great for actually organizing apps. And the list view is really long because everything is split up. So there's not a clock app. There's a timer app. There's a world clock app. Uh, there's an alarm app. Then there's a separate sleep app. And then for even your, your health features, you've got an ECG app, a blood oxygen app, a heart rate app. And so there's so many of these things that are really fragmented that make this list really, really long. 
And that means just getting to something and just going through that list. I know it's in alphabetical order. Um, it's still, by the time I find the app I want, I'm, I'm annoyed that it has taken so long because I'm holding my arm up. It doesn't feel quick and glanceable. Um, so I really hope that is what Mark is referring to. That, that would be my sort of headline wish list item. I mean, you're not wrong about the list view taking a while, and it is kind of annoying when like you're looking for something all the way down, but I still prefer that over the grid view, and I almost immediately always change um, excuse me, any Apple Watch that I get to that view. So, um, well, The dock is pretty good. The dock is, is an the, underrated feature at this point. The dock is good. You can't pin apps on the dock. You should be able to do that. That would be cool. You can, you can choose the order of them, but it's like a buried setting in the watch app on the iPhone. But isn't it just um, based off of your recent applications? That's what it is by default. And then, but if you, if you go into settings on your iPhone, you can select 10 apps and the order in which they appear. See, um, this is where I prove to you that I do no looking into watchOS, it is an afterthought into my mind. Because honestly, we spend so much time talking about iOS and iPadOS and macOS, uh, and every year around WWDC, I, I, it's like watchOS, I don't think even a couple of years ago, I didn't even do a video for watchOS because the upgrades and tvOS certainly, those two are like afterthoughts. And I, I think this year, I'm hoping this is the year where I can spend more time and then learn little tips like that because that even is something that I didn't know. Uh, because I never looked into that. So thanks, Hartley, for dropping a little tips and tricks. Maybe you should do one of those videos instead of me. Well, I don't know. I think that the watchOS, it's been, it's, been, it's been left. It's got a little stale. It's been one of the smaller releases over the years. Um, but what I would say is if you've lost your, your passion for watchOS, the video to rewatch for that would be WatchOS 2. I can't remember when that was, WWDC, quite some years ago at this point. Um, and that was a huge update to WatchOS. And when you watch this now, um, they are fully rethinking how the whole platform should work. They introduced features like um, nightstand mode. They introduced time travel on watch faces, which has now been removed. They um, rethought how the side button should be used. It was all being rethought, and it took a really long time at WWDC because, of course, with WatchOS 2, this was the first time they'd really had the chance to uh, have the device in people's hands and really think about how it would be more useful. So there has been one WWDC where WatchOS made a splash. I hope that this year is another one like that. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't know that I ever had a full-on passion for WatchOS, uh, <laughs> but... but uh, yeah, my 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 lust for new information on watchOS has certainly declined, and so I think That's it's fair. time for. I mean, if 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 those features that we're still using and like the look of it is eight years old from watchOS two, right? Is that does that make sense? Well, I mean, well they, the basic UI, the basic UI goes back to the unveiling, which was in right. 2014. We that, need a change. That, yeah, that's a long time. To, and even a lot of these watch faces, I know they've had little tweaks and upgrades. And the way that these apps are interacted with, the biggest change we've had is Force Touch being removed, which was disastrous for the Apple Watch. It's definitely been a worse experience having Force Touch removed. Yeah. So. I, I really I will be excited to see some UI updates to Apple Watch. If it even if it doesn't excite you, um, I, I'm I mean to it. I'm excited. I just we need more. So yeah, I'm definitely uh, hoping and wishing for some sort of just major redesign 
of the whole of everything because it, it's gotten stale. And I'd I'd like to see some new watch faces and you know, um, those are always fun. I'm sure we'll get some of those. Uh, but another part of WWDC uh, that I want to quickly touch on, well, there's two things. Uh, Mac OS 13.4 has been showing support for new Macs, which is interesting to say the least. Yeah. Well, I mean, we are overdue at this point, certainly devices like the uh, Apple Silicon Mac Pro, uh, but there's any number of things in the pipeline that it could be because it's been a long time since we've seen some new Macs. I mean, it, we were talking about uh, at the start of this year how Apple had just gone its first fourth quarter without releasing any new Macs for something like, I don't remember what it was, 20 years. So this has been probably one of the longest times with no new Mac releases ever at this point. So yeah, could it be the 15-inch uh, well, MacBook Air that's rumored, the Mac Pro, uh, a new Mac Studio? Uh, every, I mean, there's everything really uh, up for grabs at this point. Do you think we're okay to get ahead of ourselves? Because I mean, even though they add support in 13.4, like our instant reactions are like, all right, cool, new Macs are coming because it's not for Mac OS 14, it's for 13. So like, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's coming now. It could be from here until November. Uh, you know, macOS is always one of those weird releases where like everything else comes out in September and then macOS for some odd reason is just not ready right away and it usually needs another month or two. Um, but I'm going to be optimistic and think that it's coming soon and so that's why the support is happening because we're expecting 13.4 to be available to the public in May. So would be pretty cool if maybe they announce a couple of Macs at WWDC. Yeah, the Mac Pro would be a good one. Mac Pro, yeah. uh, at least the 2013 uh, trash can Mac Pro was uh, unveiled at WWDC because it's a pro product. It fits a lot better into uh, the audience for WWDC, or at least it did years ago. I mean, WWDC is becoming a bit of an evolving thing now. It's a lot more uh, made for a more casual audience. Um, so who knows? But we got the M2 MacBook Air last year at WWDC. We got the M2 chip and we got the 13-inch MacBook Pro. So yeah, we definitely could get something. Hey guys, just wanted to take a quick minute to tell you that this episode of the Mac Rumor Show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, getting to know yourself, like truly getting to know who you are as a person on the inside can really be a lifelong process, especially since we are all hopefully growing and changing as people over time. I am personally a huge fan of what therapy can do for us, and sometimes just talking things out with other people can really help us get to know ourselves better and figure out what it is that we might want. And if you're considering therapy, I'd highly recommend giving BetterHelp a try. It is super convenient since it's done entirely online, and also it's affordable. You can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and if you want, you can switch therapists anytime you want to at no additional charge. Again, I'm a fan of therapy and the benefits that it can bring to you in the long run. I feel like everyone just needs that person to talk to and really get those feelings out to someone who's actually a trained professional and can definitely give you the right advice you might need. So discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MacRumors today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MacRumors. And then the last bit of WWDC news, which was actually relatively new, like as of this morning, is that, uh, or yesterday, what day is today? Today is Thursday. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was as of yesterday. Uh, the redesigned control center uh, is a one of those. You know how last week and what I said earlier, like 
Apple is expected to have major iOS 17 changes, but like we had no idea what it is. Well, eh, Control Center might be one of them, which is, I think we talked about this. Control Center needs like a ton of work. So yeah. I mean, it, it is... hasn't been touched. This right. is this is also a little bit like what we were saying with WatchOS. Um, it hasn't been touched since I think it's iOS 8. And bear in mind, oh, we're gosh. now talking about iOS 17. Ugh. So this is a really long time. I mean, I remember with, I think it was with the iOS 7 redesign, the control center used to swipe up from the bottom of the display. And then I think that was changed in watchOS um, with uh, iOS 8. And then it comes down from the top of the display. And of course, it's had little you know UI changes. You've been able to uh, add things in the control center somewhat pointlessly. I don't really understand the rationale as to why certain apps are available there, there like the home app or camera or certain areas of the clock app. Um, but it, it needs it, especially with uh, music controls being in there. It's, it's, it could do with a little bit of tidying up and definitely a better UI for customization. The main thing that I just don't understand with it, talking about those little things that you can move around or add, is the way that you do it. You don't do it by holding down the icon <laughs> and waiting for it to go into jiggle mode. You go into settings and then drag, a, drag them up and down a list. So you can't even see them when you're doing that. No, and you can't customize, like, I mean, like, I was about ready to, you know, kind of come at you and be like, you can't customize and move things around. Yes, you can with the toggles that you add in Control Center. But in my mind, it's like, we need to press down, go into Control Center's own jiggle mode, <laughs> and uh, and be able to move. Like, I don't need some of those things at the top. I want to move them out. Or, you know, it's easier to put them, like, if I want the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth toggles lower on the list so that it's easier for me to, to get to faster, like that's what I want to be able to do. I want some third-party applications thrown in there. Why? Why can't Why can't developers do things for you know the control center? I don't understand. Um, and particularly with regards to uh, the kind of UI that they conceived of for widgets, Apple believes that you can have three, or if you're on an iPad, four different sizes of widget. So why can't all the little control center icons also have different sizes? What if I want my display brightness to be a really big? Uh, icon that takes up a lot of space, easy for me to to grab onto. But then something else, I just don't need that much space, and I can choose from even just two sizes. Um, yeah. But you know, third party applications would be another another great point. You know, if I want to add a new task in Things Three, that would be a perfect sort of quick action that I should be able to run. Or shortcuts is another really obvious one um, that I should be able to run a shortcut when I'm in an app um, from Control Center. So maybe we are getting a little bit closer to the sorts of things we'll see. Um, I think the chance of seeing some sort of better system for moving things around and for designing that space is pretty likely if they're talking about a redesign because it would just tie everything together. Um, it's It's been unchanged for a long time. I, I, I don't want to speculate anymore because my mind could race like, real hard on where things could go for the control center but i'm just glad it happens one of the things i'm i'm just real you know it's slightly off topic but why can't there be a like a control center widget i feel like that's like the most like obvious thing and you looked puzzled but do you know what i mean like a like a control center style widget like your basic functions wi-fi bluetooth right Right, like AirPlay. Why can't I have a widget of that on my, for the at very least, the iPad? Like it would make tons of sense for the iPad. 
uh, because it's such a large display and just like kind of a pain to drag your cursor all the way across or even your finger or whatever. Like, I, I think that would make the most sense to have some of those toggles available. And like, that seems like the first like baked in widget Apple should have offered and they didn't offer something like that. Something where you can get basic functions and toggles on your home screen. Well, they need to make interactive widgets first as well. So maybe that would oh, be yeah. I guess you're right. I, see, I guess uh, you're right. With iOS 17. I, I would be that fine would be with even really if I could app. just tap the Wi-Fi toggle and it takes me into the settings menu. Like that would be fine. Yeah, that's true. If you're not going to give me interactive widgets. Center, that point. Yeah. <laughs> just give me. Well, I guess so. But like, no, because like with Wi-Fi, one of my biggest things is like if you want to do more Wi-Fi stuff in Control Center, you have to still like long press on it and do these weird mm. like other gestures for it. And I want to separate that out. Well, even if you think of they have a, an email widget that shows you your most recent three emails. So why can't I have a widget that shows me the three local Wi-Fi networks, Yeah, for example? Yeah, that's what I was yeah, talking I about. Like, something, something like basic You could functions. have a stack of them, a smart stack of them. Yeah. yeah. I'd be happy know. with that. All right. Well, that's WWDC news. Um, moving on to some iPhone news. Uh, we have 120 hertz. ProMotion is rumored to be coming to non- Pro iPhones, finally, uh, but not for another two years. So I guess yeah, Apple's just squeezing the, squeezing you even more for every penny they yeah. can with the pros. It's the uh, iPhone 17 lineup uh, we're talking I can't even about think at that this far. point. <laughs> so the, uh, the other thing that was twinned with this rumor, so we've got a rumor for the iPhone 17 and a rumor for the iPhone 17 Pro. Uh, so you've mentioned the 120 hertz. ProMotion coming to the standard models for the first time. But the rumor for the Pro model is that the Face ID scanner will move under the display. Because, of course, if they make the two displays the same, if they both have uh, ProMotion, if they both have Dynamic Island, they're just the same at that point. So the Pro needs to have a little edge, and the little yeah. edge it will have will be Face ID under the, dis under the display. But I'm quite surprised by this, because ProMotion is in the name. It's a, it's a Pro... You know, it's a pro feature, um, and well, they need to rename it then. <laughs> yeah, well, it just seems it just seems a bit strange to bring it to a standard device, and I suppose the reason why they're doing this isn't so much for the refresh rate; it's probably for always on display, which I can accept is a more universally appreciated feature. Um, but so, but other Android manufacturers have proven that uh, 120 hertz. 90 hertz isn't isn't a uh, a pro feature like i have a gaggle of phones over there and i have the cheapest android phone you could possibly imagine with features like always on display and 90 hertz at minimum to 120 hertz displays so like it's not a pro feature in everyone else's eyes but apple which is just wild but well, I suppose if they are, they are going to do what they always do, which is they give you these features like always on display, but they just make you wait years and years and years for it. Yeah. Um, well, but so that's, that's weird because, at. like, because, like, I would say, well, no, I wouldn't even say Dynamic Island should be considered a pro feature, but that's always on pro phones, and that only took one year allegedly to be making its way over to all the phones. So because it's not a pro feature, and Apple realized that, but I don't know. Yeah. 
I think I'd just like to see a little bit more differentiation. I'd like to see, and not just differentiation in terms of the, the standard phones don't have this feature. I'd like to see actually different feature sets to cater to different sets of users, a little bit like with what they've done with the Apple Watch Ultra, where it's actually doing something different. It's giving you a much chunkier design to give you the extra battery life. So it's easier for consumers to work out which kind of customer they are because just giving them basically it's just last year's tech you get last year's chip you get last year's display um, you get last year's camera and then a couple of the features like crash detection are the same on both devices that isn't enough and that doesn't surprise me that the pro models always do so much better for sales um, I would like it to actually be conceived differently. It's a little bit like with the materials, that they know that the, the Pro models get stainless steel, at least to date they have, um, because it's nicer looking and it's more durable, um, but it's heavier. So there's a trade-off there, whereas the average consumer wants something that's lighter um, and something that can be uh, maybe in more vivid colors as well, because they can anodize it much more effectively than the finishes that they can apply to the stainless steel. And so sometimes they do it, um, but other times I just sort of, I wish for a little bit more differentiation. Um, iPhone 17 just seems like a massive upgrade because the other bit of iPhone news we had was the under display face ID is reportedly set to debut for the iPhone 17, which I thought it was going to be for the, was it for the 17 always or for the 16? So it was initially rumored for the iPhone 16 Pro. That's what I thought. Um, but Apple's apparently had sensor issues with actually putting that under the, the pixels of the display. And so that has now been moved one year later. So the Dynamic Island is going to be around for a long time. It will be 14 Pro, 15 Pro, and 16 Pro. And the front of the iPhone is going to look the same all the way through. Do you think, I don't know, do you need this? I don't need this. I feel like they could just move this under the display when they're ready to do everything. Like... Yeah, that, I, I agree. I don't think it's going to really change anything. And I don't even really think they're going to make Dynamic Island smaller. I think that they will make it slightly smaller and it will let you pack more information up there. The Dynamic Island isn't going away. They've, they've made it sort of central to how they've conceived of things like live activities and they've made it a key selling point. So they're not going to take that feature away. They'll just give you more area up there. So I guess the reason why Apple would... Uh, do this incrementally is because they get the experience of putting uh, one component under the display first, mass producing that, um, you know, absorbing the costs for that. Um, and they can gradually trickle out these features and they can get more mileage out of it because they can present it as a new feature twice over to bury something under the display. And then eventually dynamic island can become something a little bit different that appears or doesn't appear or is significantly smaller and we're talking about ui changes and so it allows them to ease into that as a more pro feature that's what i was going to say i feel like when they go to the all display in what 2027 uh at that point does dynamic island just become more of a th software thing that just is there when it needs to be um and then is gone when we don't need it yeah, I can imagine that being the case. Um, yeah. And obviously, it will have more area, so it can definitely look a little bit different. Um, and they can definitely do some more fun things with the UI and how exactly it works, because the island can move around the display now. You know, maybe you could drag the island to the, the left corner of the display, yeah. you know, wh whatever it may be. Um, there's a lot that they can do with it. Uh, I can understand why they want to do it. But I think the people that just say, oh, well, Apple's getting rid of Dynamic Island, I don't think that's really what they're doing here. 
Well, they might change the name then because I don't know. Uh, this just sounds like at that point you you make it what like other Samsung initially is what I remember the first phone that I've ever had that did this, and then other people have uh, other OEMs have jumped on board. But it's basically like just when you're done with that app, it minimizes into a floating icon, and like you said, you can drag it around the screen, you can hide it off screen, you can bring it back. That. It's fine. Bring put that in there. Just make it like when you want it persistent up there, cool. And then when you're done, it just kind of goes into a little bubble, and you can put it into a little bubble bank or float it around. I don't care. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what Apple does. Hey guys, just want to take another quick break to let you know that this episode is also sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped is here with a deal you can't pass over this Easter season. They've got the tools to give you the beautifully decorated eggs of your dreams. Just because it's Easter doesn't mean it's okay to hide those bad boys behind all of that tall grass. So make sure your downstairs lawn is mowed. Get yourself feeling as sweet as candy by going to manscaped.com and getting 20% off free shipping with the code MACRUMORS. It's time to put all of your eggs into the perfect basket with the Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped. Inside this ball care bunny basket, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker 2.0 ear and nose hair trimmers, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, which I didn't think I'd ever be using, but honestly, I don't think there's a way I can go back to not using it. It leaves everything feeling nice and fresh and smelling fantastic. There's also the Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all of your goodies. I'm also a pretty big fan of the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. It is incredibly efficient at trimming up those areas that are extra sensitive and where you want to be really careful. And other trimmers in the past have been kind of a nightmare, but the Lawnmower 4.0 is specifically designed to handle these sensitive areas, and it does a fantastic job. Also, even though April is synonymous with Easter, it is also Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men ages 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. So save 20% off and get free shipping with the code MACRUMORS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code MACRUMORS at manscaped.com. Hop into the best deal of the year with Manscaped. All right, and so this brings us to our main topic, which is Apple's AR VR headset. And like I mentioned earlier, we do actually have a very special guest. Marcus Kane uh, is a professional product designer and extended reality enthusiast. Most recently, Marcus worked with YouTuber and, of course, friend of the show, David Lewis. He was just on oh, a couple of episodes ago, um, and he's helped him come up with a more detailed concept for Apple's mixed reality headset. And so we're going to bring in Marcus right now to go over that headset. Okay, so thanks so much for joining us, Marcus. Um, we have had a chance to pour over these fantastic renders you've done of this mixed reality headset. Um, and it's sort of, it's a bit hard to know where to start, but I suppose maybe you could tell us a bit about how you started when you had to conceive of exactly how to put this together. You know, where, where did you, where do you start with a project like this? Uh, it's a great question. Um, it is difficult and uh, I should preface it, preface it by saying that, you know, there will be a direction that 
the Apple team took uh, if they are bringing out a product like this. And I, I, I presume that it's different than, than the one that, that I took. Um, but I, I tried to approach this in um, thinking like the way that the, uh, their team does. So first of all, from the experience side, um, I started to think about, you know, why would Apple make a product like this and what would be their intended experience? And I think um, going back to something that Steve Jobs said uh, in a very, very old interview is that the only mention he ever made of this product was about it being kind of like what's, what's like cinema for your eyes, you know? And so that, that was kind of my, my starting point with the product um, and, and wanted to kind of build around that. Um, and then obviously looking at the patents and the information that was released around that uh, to give me kind of like a backdrop of the hardware and things that they might use. But ultimately, um, where I started from was thinking about glasses. If this, this is a product that has to go over your eyes, right? It has to replace whatever you wear there. So I think in terms of them, they have a very high standard for what that product then therefore needs to be because essentially in their minds, they're probably thinking it has to be able to do what glasses do, which is essentially allow you to see the real world. And that is such a high bar, like it's, it's a crazy high bar. And I think that might be where some of like, you know, we're hearing about there being some issues um, between different teams and things like that around this product. And I think that it, it kind of, probably stems from somewhere around there where they, where they have an idea of what this what the minimum experience this product should be and uh, they might be releasing something that is like half what that could be um but yeah so basically i, I started from kind of like a set of of requirements um, as well as the the leaks that were were available and just started to kind of build around there i, I am a, i'm a user of vr every day um so I'm very familiar with, with those products and the technology that goes into them. Um, I guess I started from the screens would be the best way to think about it. Like, um, so we, we kind of know, or we think we know that they're going to be using Sony 4K micro OLED screens um, and the specs are available for them. And they'll probably be combining that with some pancake optics, probably some kind of custom pancake optics that they're using. So right there, like I have a really great starting point because I know where people's eyes are. I know how big these screens are. I know how far they have to be from the optics. I know that they're aiming for 120 degrees off the screen. So I, I can basically build out from that point. Um, and then we know that there's going to be a front facing display that's curved. So that has to fit in there. Um, we know that there's going to be two chips. And so I kind of, I kind of work this way. And I kind of build it out like that. And I, I usually often take a bit of an optimistic route when I do it because they've got some fantastic engineers on that team. And, and so I think that they can push the size of this product um, as well. And there, are, there are also some great examples on the market. You know, we have the, the Quest Pro that's out. Um, you can see that's already quite thin, but that has the processing and battery and things like that, which the Apple headset, uh, well, the processing will be in the front, but the battery won't be. So. I think there's optimizations you can make on a design like the Quest Pro. So ultimately all of these things kind of come together into, into a design. Now, one of the things that I was intrigued about, and we'll, we'll share this, uh, this image out there so people can see what I'm talking about, but uh, you showed us this image right before we kind of uh, got going here and this, this battery pouch. This is the one thing I'm still hung up on the battery 
And so what was the, what, what, what's, give us more details on that because I still don't know how I feel about this. In this image, you have this like cool looking pouch. I mean, it looks great. It's got a little MagSafe connector going. It conceals the cords, it seems, but like, I don't know. I just don't know how I feel about the, the battery. It's gonna, I, until I get clarification from Apple, I'm still very, uh, I'm trying not to be pessimistic, but I'm feeling pessimistic about it. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but the truth is like out of all the possible ways that we could do this, I think it, it is one of the best ways to do it. Uh, firstly, like Apple is bound by physics like any other company. And the, the amount of like everything that's going to be on this headset, it seems like they're going to need a lot of power to do it. And basically you've, you've got a couple options when you think about that. You can either go in the front of the headset, which is not great because of weight distribution. It can then go into the band in the back of the headset, like HoloLens or Quest Pro. But again, that change it that adds more weight to the head. It changes balance points, and also, for instance, something simple like you can't lie down the headset because then you've got like this big thing on the back of your head, right? So, in terms of all the places the battery could go, having it kind of off headset by a cable, I think is is ideal. Um, for this iteration of the product, because I, I know that they'll want to have the battery inside the product, but they just can't get it efficient enough um, from, from what I understand. And so basically this means that they can have optimized, they, they can have the, the front as thin as possible. They can have the back band be really soft. So it's really nice uh, like to lie down with, it's very comfortable. And then you've got a cable that runs off to, to this battery. And you were just talking about the kind of design I did. I, one thing that no one was really talking about was how this battery pack was going to work. Um, and again, I, I go back to kind of like this experience and what would be the experience of using a product like a headset with a battery pack. And Apple's a very um, inclusive company. They want, they want uh, to service everyone. And like something simple, like not everyone has pockets, right? People wear dresses and things like this. You don't have pockets. So, you need something that can hold this battery pack. It could be a clip or something like that. But in my mind, the most universal kind of thing that it could possibly be is a shoulder sling, which is something that magically could done as well. Um, and then my, my thoughts within that were, they'll probably include it as part of the experience. So for instance, like with AirPod Max, when you take it out the case, it turns on. And when you put it back in, it turns off. I imagine that this will do something similar where it will like have all this integration. And if you've got a case that holds a battery with a sling, it makes sense for the headset to go in there as well, right? Because when you, you don't want two cases when you're traveling about with this thing. Um, the other thing with a cable product is safety. So a lot of these headset manufacturers, when you've got a cable coming off the back of your head, it's, it's a really big safety risk, you know, something was to yank it. <clears throat> and so uh, basically it needs to be some kind of MagSafe it will have to disconnect in some way so that it's safe. And then again, if think about this experience, how, like how, for instance, like how would you put it on? Like just think about that experience of like putting it on. You've got to have a battery, you've got a cable that goes to the headset, you've got to put the headset on and then somehow connect the cable. Do you do it before you put it on, do you not? I think Apple is just gonna make this super simple. So that's why we, kind of include it like the cable that would go to the headset, we have it so it kind of like attaches to the strap, kind of part of the strap. And the idea is that it just sits on your shoulder and that, so you can basically put on the sling, which will have both the battery pack and the headset. You can take out the headset and pop it on. So then it's on. It'll use probably the onboard battery, like that'll give it, you know, five to 10 minutes 
so it can do all the turn on and and get ready and, and work as it's intended and then you would just grab the kind of magnetic hook from your shoulder and bring it near the back of the headset and it will kind of connect and then it's ready to go and i think that that's way more in line with the kind of a seamless experience that apple is like known for with the product and so this is why i think that this kind of like bag slaying clip is going to be a big part of kind of having a battery pack if indeed they have a battery pack but i really do think that they will they will do that it's by the sounds of things like because maybe in three years we could release one that didn't but i think for for the experience the intent it, it's it's going to need that power um, and the other great thing i imagine with that is that um if it gives you two hours battery life i imagine it charges in less than that so you'll only need two to have like indefinite use you can basically just have one charging while you're using the one um so, so something that surprised me though which took me uh, i don't know if you recently saw they said that one of the demos is somebody using it in a taxi i don't know if you I don't know if you saw that but that yeah that was in the initial sort of concept That's, that Johnny yeah. Ive made. I don't think it was a physical pr uh, product at that point. I think it was just purely a, a concept video for internal right. purposes. They didn't uh, show that uh, again yeah. when they had their 100 execs, did they? Uh, well, that was what was shown to 100 execs initially, I believe. Oh, okay. See, I was under the impression that that recent report about the, the 100 execs looking at the, or like seeing more of the product was like recently, wasn't it? Because Johnny, I've oh yeah, they, but they've seen it. They've seen it every year. So that was right, the right. first year. In oh, I, I'm talking about I that. Believe. That video was shown years ago. It wasn't shown yeah. again this yes. year when they yeah. showed it. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, that that makes sense to me because I just I don't see how you could use a product like this outside at the moment. Um, I just I don't think they're safe enough, especially if it's meant to be a pass through device, as they say, um, with a 120 degree field of like concentrated view. I just I don't think it's safe enough to use outside for some consumer use. You know, maybe that's why they show it in a car because it's not outside outside. Um, but that would that would completely change like how you intend to use this product. Like, uh, for instance, could you even have something that closed off the side of your vision to block light? Would it have to be more like the Quest Pro where you enable that peripheral vision? So I don't know. These these questions change how the product would would be. So you mentioned AirPods Max before um, as sort of one source of inspiration when looking at this battery pack. And when I look at um, your concept as well, you can pick up on sort of the, the where other Apple devices have sort of inspired your thought process. Um, one of the most obvious ones being the band that you've conceived of, which differs from some of the reports that we've heard. Um, I mean, those were from years ago at this point, and we don't know whether those are true. I mean, those didn't show a battery pack, for example. So at this point, we really don't know exactly what this thing is going to look like. So with this headband, you've imagined it like um, a sport loop Apple Watch band, which I thought was really innovative because that's a breathable material. It's a it's a it's a lot more flexible and it's elastic, which makes sense because something like a fluoroelastomer sport band, which is what was rumored, just doesn't really seem to make much sense in that context. So, what other Apple devices sort of uh, play did you did you bring into this design, and why did you choose those different elements? Uh, yeah, I, so I agree with you. The, like, first of all, a lot of these concepts come from that original information sketch. Without that, would have had kind of like no initial direction to go off. <laughs> but the first thing that bothered me about that was the with was the headbands because it just didn't seem like anything that Apple would ever 
put on a headset, especially like you, if you notice it only adjusts on one side from that sketch, not on the right side, just on the left, which doesn't make any sense. So I, I told like, I totally agree with you on that. I, I just don't, I didn't think it was going to be something like that. It would be as comfortable as we could possibly make it. Um, and so like Apple have already done a lot of innovative things when it comes to kind of what we call 3D knit technology where like they can make their own custom patterns and knits. And I think that they're just going to take that like one step further. This product is like um, ergonomically inspired by ski goggles. And obviously they have a very kind of like soft headband. So I think that they're probably inspired by that. Um, it's also one of the most comfortable options when you've got kind of like this, this fabric headband. Um, but I, I do like, I, I do think that it will be kind of like a semi um, rigid and semi kind of flexible. Like I imagine because um, there are talks and patterns because they, the face gasket, which is the thing that will feel the light around the displays and around your eye has a sensor in it, or I understand it has sensors in it that read the shape of your face and also how you move your face. And, and that works best when you don't have too much pressure um, against like the front of your head. So they need to have um, some kind of uh, leverage on the arms to kind of grab the temples here. So that basically you relieve some pressure from the front. So you can't just have a full strap. So I imagine that there'll be like these rigid parts in the middle of those straps. And that will like basically help it fold in like glasses when, when you're done with it. So that when you want to use it, you kind of just pull out the back strap and put it over like you would a, a pair of ski goggles. And also they, things like Apple Watch, you know, they, they have a, a known business of bands and things around this technology. So it just makes sense to me that they would they would carry that forward. And then um, for, for inspiration for the products, I mean, one thing that's great about doing concepts for, for Apple products is that they're very uh, consistent with their design language across their products. So it's quite easy to guess how they would do stuff. For instance, like the, um, the battery packs on uh, the, like the Mac, you know, where, where they connect into the wall, that kind of like white plastic it seems to me that they would do something similar for their battery packs and the headset. <coughs> you also have the, the magnetic battery pack that's on the, the iPhone as well that I took inspiration from. Um, the AirPod Max, I think there are many elements on that that will probably be similar on the headset, like the, the microphones, the, the body design. If, if you look, Apple has moved in recent years to a design language where if it's going to be wearable or on the skin, it's rounded and the materials reflect that as well. So I imagine the headset will, will be something similar. I don't think it would be too sharp. I think it would be, be soft. Um, and then I was inspired by other products like the Mac Pro, uh, the MacBook Pro, sorry, where it has kind of like these vents on there because we know the headset will need cooling. So I imagine that they'll kind of follow the design detailing um, of that. And then things like sensors. On the front of the headset will be hidden in a way that a face ID is hidden under the iPhone. You know, like the 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 screen at the front where you have the little cameras. I imagine that it's going to be hidden around the front edge of the display in in a similar way. Um, but otherwise, this is a new product, so I imagine that there's going to be some new design that we're going to see. Or I hope. So. You've given, obviously, a ton of thought on how the design and the look of the physical product is going to be. 
have you thought about how the actual use of the product is going to be? Like, what are you kind of like, what's your mini wish list uh, for how you think this product is going to be used? That is really like up in the air because this is so much that this product could do. Right. Um, but it depends completely on like, for me, I've been waiting for technology like this for a very long time. I mean, I, I use this technology already in my like daily driving of work. I actually design in VR and using gravity sketch. Can, can you talk okay. about, can, after you're done with this, can you talk about that too? I'm just, that sounds so fan like. I think we're both pretty intrigued in, about that because it's, yeah. it's, it's not very common that you do encounter people that have actual workflows using these devices. Because Hartley and I are sitting here just like, I mean, I'll use AR glasses for a little bit of time, but or VR glasses, but I, I can't imagine like spending my whole day with them. So, but yeah. go ahead. Let's so, talk I mean, about your wish list first, and then we can, and then we can get get into that. Get onto that. Yeah. So the way I think about it is like for me, this technology represents kind of like the next step in kind of human computer interaction. Just like the way that you use a computer with a screen and a mouse and a keyboard. Like I see XR as kind of like the next step in, in that. Um, and I see kind of like the software that should run this is something like AI. Um, because it provides contextual input and things like that for the system, you, it, it's far more human-like. Um, but so that there are many things that they could do, but what I guess that Apple particularly will do is that they will, um, they, they will drive people into software that they already have using this product. So things like Apple TV, exercise, um, they're going to build upon for this product. So I always thought that with this product starts with television. That's essentially what it is. It's like the evolution of, of the television. Um, so I, I imagine like the, the first experience they thought about was how can we make a, make a great TV experience in this headset? So I think, I think one of the key things we'll be able to do is have like a fantastic Apple TV experience inside the headset, be that this amazing 8K screen that you're going to see in front of you that's as good as iMac, um, or the ability to, to twist this reality dial that they have on the front, which I think will work like, basically you will twist it, you will dive deeper into a more immersive experience that you're part of. So imagine I'm sat on my, my sofa and I've got this beautiful big curved screen in front of me that's 8K, that's floating there. Um, I, I could twist the dial on the side of my head and I imagine like my reality will walk so that I will either be in a cinema or maybe the film stretches around me using AI and something like that. Or, or if it's sports, I imagine you could watch something like that with maybe kind of like a hollow view in front of it where you'd see like a top down and then you twist the dial and you'll jump into a front row seat and so that you can kind of like see it from that perspective. And then when you finish, maybe there's kind of like some Apple games or exercises where you will like be able to just practice a couple of shots, I don't know, of, of whatever you were just watching. And um, so I, I think like basically they're going to empower the experiences and, and services that they already have. And, and they're going to provide like links between them, like moving seamlessly between these different services um, as well. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't see any mention of gaming which is a real shame because it's a big driver for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I, I really wish that there, were, there was some gaming ahead about 2D ports, and that drives me nuts because like, the whole point of this technology is that you can innovate in 3D. It makes no sense to me to just port across in 2D. You, you lose all of the magic, you know, like all of the, the, the ability of this product. 
Um, and and one one like one thing that I think they absolutely should do, but I don't know if they would do, is screen replacement. Like for me, that's how you break into this market. Like if you think about all the companies that buy screens and monitors and all this kind of stuff, you could provide a product that provided you with 8K screens for everyone, as good as like it has to be as good as the one that you can see in real life. If you can provide that, because it would also replace TV and all of this, you like instantly jump into a display market you know, as opposed to an XR market. So I really hope they're going to do that. Um, and that, for instance, if my MacBook's in my bag or whatever, it, it will connect to that and give me a screen and then I can type and use the functionality of that Mac, but with the kind of, this is a display. Um, I also imagine it will unify a lot of the Apple products. So you'll be able to answer text from your phone. You'll be able to see health things of your wrist. Um, basically without having to access those products, but just using the headset as kind of like a unifier of experience. Now I need to know how your day-to-day -day goes with, yeah. with AR and designing. <laughs> yeah, so um, I used to, I worked a little bit actually at Gravity Sketch um, because I, I, when we just starting out, I saw it and for me, something I've been thinking about for a long time. Um, I think it's absolutely amazing software. I, I, to be honest, I don't understand why more, more companies aren't creating uh, kind of like 3D building for this technology because it's just perfect. Like they just go hand in hand, like no tomorrow. So I, uh, I'm an industrial designer and I, I, I do this concept work on the side and things like that. But my, my day to day work is actually creating products. Um, and one of the things about creating products in a computer, if you don't, for instance, model make or 3D print is kind of like ergonomics, how, how does sizing work? Like, how does it feel? And being able to see a product in VR, which makes it spatial, kind of like changes that relationship. Um, so GraviSketch has this amazing function called pass-through. So you can access pass-through while you're in it, which means that I can see my real world and then I can start to design like in my real world for my real world. And like, so if I'm designing a chair, I can just instantly build that chair in one-to-one -one perspective and like see it in front of me and like tweak it as I walk around it. And it's, it's kind of like halfway between sketching and model making, you know, it allows so much um, kind of freedom with the design. But what I, what I will usually do is I will use this as kind of like a start exploration point for my design. And that allows me to get the scale right, allows me to get the look right. It also allows me to um, design things that are kind of like organic shapes very easily, which is something that's an absolute nightmare on traditional CAD because you've got to move around the shape, you've got to add all of these different curves. But in VR, it's like working with clay. You know, I, I'm able to pull and, and, and push and, and create this fantastic shape right in front of me in, in no time at all. And then some of this you can export and use directly as, as CAD that you'd work into. But most of the time, what I do is I, I will use this as a reference. So for instance, with these headsets, I'll put all of the parts into a file, like um, with an ergonomic head that's the right size, with the screens that are the right size, with all of my measurements, you know, IPD, the chips, and I'll, I'll start to place them around and on this person so that I have something called like a text app, which is kind of like what you, how, how big the technology is. And then what I would do is I would physically design around that in 3D, the, the shape of the headset, be it through sketches or actual um, 3D modeling, like in the software. Uh, it's, it's, 
it's hard to describe without you, you guys have got to go try it it's amazing um but then 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 i have kind of like something that fits the technology fits on the shape of a face looks about right in in a very short amount of time and then i can export that into some of my more traditional softwares and and use it as kind of like a template so that i already have i already know exactly where all the curves should go and or or the plane should go and it's, it's all done for me basically um and this this is like drastically changed my workflow like it allows me to do things so quickly for my clients now and to test complex ideas and um it, even like things like spatial like i'm not an architect but you can build houses to walk through and, and things like that from that perspective now do you envision apple's headset being useful in your line of work maybe not immediately because we don't really have any idea of how this is going to be but do you think in the future where are you hoping i'm hoping i'm really hoping because i i, I think i think it would be great and I, I like the more fidelity we have in a product the better it is for the experience for you um i don't think it's going to be something that they do off the bat and um, from what I understand, it's going to be slightly more con consumer focused. And um, like I understand that when they talked about this idea of having like an Apple Watch like iOS. And um, so I don't, I don't think we're going to get heavy experience like that. Maybe, maybe like, um, for instance, if I'm using a CAD software on an external screen with this product, maybe it automatically realizes it's 3D and you can pull it out. That would be really useful. Um, I'm probably just going to end up getting it anyway, regardless, right? Um, but where, where, where I see this going in like five years, maybe more, is that with the advances AI, it will be more about like a dialogue you have. And so, for instance, one thing I think will go crazy is, is, is the creation of games, um, which will take away all the hard part and you can just start to design them. So. I imagine that something along those lines will probably make its way into this headset where you could start to build uh, an experience from the headset itself, just by talking to it, just by telling it what to tweak and where and how, um, whether that would be games or applications or things like that. I think that this is something that Apple will do. And that, that is something I'm very excited for um, happening. Just in, in general, actually, it doesn't have to be Apple. I think that that's going to be like this creative boom that's going to happen. So other than sort of creative activities, do you find yourself using um, headsets for anything else? Um, because I suppose, uh, you know, Dan and I, we're not, we're not going to be creating stuff in 3D. I'd like to believe I, no. I'd like to believe I could. Um, but where do you think the, uh, other than screen mirroring, which is a, a great point, especially with regards to things like TV um, and gaming, do you think there's anything else um, that, would be a sort of appealing and, and uh, useful to uh, people that are are not in uh, not in design or architecture. So, um, so I, I actually first thing is I actually use these headsets for all kinds of stuff. I, I do game in the headsets. I really love um, VR games. But I also you I have a really good friend of mine who lives in Singapore. Had to move away from from where we were, and we hop in there and watch kind of. TV together or, or movies together and chat. And it's, it's actually, it is so much better, even if we've just got the headsets on and I can kind of see the presence. And so I, I think that that is another big thing, communication wireless kind of, uh, kind of like the evolution of FaceTime is something else I think that Apple will do. 
and um, we talked about like they talk about um having lifelike video presence uh with the sensors on the back of the headset to see your face and all this kind of stuff so i think this will be also a big driver where you'll be able to show people what you see but also if they're wearing a headset you'll be able to see them as if and um, they were next to you which is a big thing and i and i think if you if you extra, extrapolate that out what made sense for me but i don't know if they're going to do it is this idea of the virtual office so if you've got a headset that can give you virtual screens and connect all your computers and give you telepresence where it looks like someone's right next to you there's nothing stopping you from having like um, a, a virtual office that's connected to real one or like a real office that's made of many virtual desks so like this headset would be able to scan your desk it would see where you were in that space it could lay it out and you know imagine you could tile desks from across the world uh, together into like an office so like I could look to my right, and even though it's it's in my living room now, next to my desk here could be someone else's desk from the same company who works with me. And I could look across and see their virtual self. And then I could talk with them, I could talk with someone over me or to the left of me. And so like that you would you would interrupt so much infrastructure with that product because all of a sudden you've got people who can walk uh, work across the world effortlessly, basically. And you could even show them stuff on your desk and pass it across and it would scan it digitally and, and give it to them. And so I think if that would be a really smart thing to do, but I don't know if that's what they're doing. You know, you could, this whole work from home culture that's um, starting to appear, that this product would be absolutely perfect for that. Like you, you could just pick it up and start having like a, a cross world team as if you were next to each other, you know? Um, so. They should have released this a couple of years ago. <laughs> this is this is why, um, do you know, John Carmack, that's why he was going crazy with Meta, because he was like, this is the perfect chance to show people like the, yeah. the use of the technology. Like, let's get a virtual office up and going right now. Um, but I, I, th I think that it's, it's still a high bar, you know? Like, I think some of the headsets that are out right now, you can't really use them as, as, as something that you have on all day. Um, and this, this comes back to that experience thing I talked about where I think that they want to match human uh, visual acuity with this headset, which is some, uh, it's, um, human acuity is 60 ppd, which means 60 pixels per degree, which basically means like in every degree of your vision, you want to pack at least 60 pixels in. If you do that, your, your eye can't tell between real life and, uh, and the pixels. And Apple's headset will reportedly have a 30 ppd, which is still half of what you what you need for like the ultimate experience so i i, I think it it it's it's still going to you you're going to be able to use it for for daily work but i still don't think these products are there in terms of like all day use so go ahead Harley. so what do you what do you think uh you're the there's been a lot of there's been a lot of negative press lately about the headset particularly uh executives at apple being quite worried about the launch there's been some talk about whether it should be delayed um from your perspective what are you most concerned about with it what what are you most sort of worried that they might not be able to pull off with this device i mean for me, for me it's more on the software side i think that apple are already really well established for hardware even if it's something new that they're coming into i'm confident that they're going to put something out there that is is really good but my, my worry is that they just don't take it to the potential that it could be i think there's a lot of work to be done around that but some of these experiences we just talked about 
Um, I don't know if they're going to be in the headset. I don't know if it's just going to be more like an Apple Watch extension. That that would uh, upset me if that's the case. Um, you talked a bit before about this kind of like the execs and things like that. I think this stems from basically they, they didn't know the original direction of the product. It was kind of like a pathfinder. And they had one one side of the product which was meant to be like really high end and was powered by this box and this other part of the product which was kind of meant to be consumer and much lighter. And they ended up going with the consumer, but the problem is they wanted the power of the, the super powerful headset. And so I think this is why it's taken so much time. And I think this, that's why, because it's not as efficient as it could be, you know, for instance, it's meant to be two chips inside this headset instead of one. We could make one that's really kind of optimized for this, um, this thing. So I, th I think that that's, it's probably because it was, they didn't know quite what it was at the start. And I think, I think that that has then influ influenced both the software as well. Um, so I think it, it might be a bit shaky on the first release, just like the Apple Watch was. They thought it was going to be one thing, but then it came out, people showed them how it was going to be used, and then it became something else. I think this is what Tim Cook's plan is with this headset. He just says, like, we need, like there's no point in us uh, try, like, trying to get this perfect right now. It's going to take too long with technology. Let's get it out there. Let's let the people tell us how they're going to use this product. Let's just make a great platform. Um, which is like another reason why I think it has a battery pack. Like usually the design team would never let that happen. Um, but I think by positioning this more like a platform, um, kind of lowers that bar. Well, Marcus, honestly, this was all like super interesting, makes this whole product like way more interesting to me now. Um, I, and I'm like, thank you so much for coming on and on, you know, such short notice. Um, so I was, uh, just wondering, when this comes out, will you be able to come back on and chat with us more about everything? Absolutely, I would. I would love to do that. I would. I would love to see how uh, my thoughts uh, match up or don't match up at all to reality. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I think that, I think they will. Well, I mean, they all look great to me. So, do you want to plug? Uh, you know, anything that you got going on? You want to? Where can people check out these renders and? Yes, I mean, I, I put this work on um, Hyperware on Instagram, hyper.ware, um, and also check out David's uh, Talking Tech and Audio. I think he's just such a talented, um, such a talented guy. He's so passionate about what he does. His quality is amazing. That's why one of the reasons I work with him on this. So I would love for people to go out there and just check out his stuff as well. Absolutely. We love David as well. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Marcus. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you.